हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशंस विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब टुडे आई हैव विद मी नैना रॉय चौधरी ग्रीन She started her exploration of Kathak in '94 at the age of eight, as Dr. Pallavi Chakraborty's first Kathak student, while she was completing her PhD thesis. Nanadi's unique style of Kathak evokes a soft and subtle restraint, combined with sharp lines and crisp footwork. Hailing from Philadelphia, and now currently residing in Pittsburgh, she is a founding member and director. of the Pittsburgh branch of the Courtyard Dancers founded in 2000 and has been a fixture in the Pittsburgh dance community since 2004 she's also currently kathak faculty at swarthmore college nanadi how are you i'm good pramit thank you for having me um yeah i'm glad to do this i've been looking forward to doing this ever since we did that workshop yes thank you for so being patient um for the last few months oh it's all good uh and so i guess let's want to start off with uh discussing say gender identity since that's something we discuss we would do uh so when it comes to say gender identity and kathak and india what what is the bag what is the historical context and where are we right now so yeah this is a topic that is um something i've been fascinated in the last few years <clears throat> as i've um acquired students who um don't um have a specific gender and um very kind of fluid students which has forced me to rethink the way i approach the form <clears throat> myself as well as teach it so um yeah i think it's ironic that you know um india's ancient civilization you know we're one of the most open in terms of gender and sexuality and and you know we have now such a um progressive approach to the way we apply that to the form um i know i've had i've learned from both male um and female practitioners and um the way i've been taught has been different and i've also been offered different um choreographies different versions of the same movement for example if, if a male versus a female were doing it so when i teach um some of these pieces onto my students um i remember one day in class i kind of hit a wall and an internal kind of conflict and i said you know what do i what do i do here so um one of my principles as a as a teacher is to to make sure that i um kind of offer the plate of all the different things I've been taught and things I've learned and then um they can pick and choose what they want from that plate to consume if you will. Um so I you know traditionally offer you know I teach both types and um I always find it very I guess kind of conflicting when I'm in that position but um yeah I think as we move forward in in the society a modern society where we're actually kind of going back um 
you know, like a yo-yo effect. We're going back to um, the times of, of ancient civilization where, you know, these gender fluidity and sexual fluidity, these are, you know, much more open. And these things, I think it's important to realize these are all social constructs. You know, every woman does not have a vagina and every man does not have a penis. And um, these aren't biological facts. They're kind of outcomes of, of you know, culture and nurture, not necessarily nature. So it's important that, you know, this postmodern and, and post-structural thinking, how we kind of forge ahead with it, so yeah, it's it's fascinating. I I'm not sure what's going to happen. I I think there's a there's a value to gender roles. Um, that's not necessarily sexist. If if you um you know that there's not that's just because you have gender roles doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Um, and subsequently, gender identity both as gendered and non-gendered. So how it will affect the art form? I mean, the, some of the stories we tell are very, very heteronormative, so um, it affects how we tell those stories. Um, I also um, am sure we'll see very creative ways of retelling those stories from a different lens, um, not a heteronormative lens. So, um, yeah, I think the, the jury's still out, but I know from my perspective... Um, from a teaching perspective, as well as a performing perspective, it's definitely given me some food for thought. For example, when I perform, I prefer um, what people would, you know, stereotypically describe as masculine, that type of style of performing. Um, even when I was teaching in my early years, I would say, you know, describe Lucknow Karana as more feminine and Jaipur Karana as more masculine. And um, I was kind of prescribing the stereotypical definitions of what masculine and feminine is to those Karanas. And um, I definitely don't use those terms anymore. Um, so I know it's affected me. It's made me much more sensitive to, um, you know, the world that we live in today. So, yeah. <clears throat> awesome. I guess and. And so I understand as well. So now in 2020, if someone were to ask you what is Jaipur and Lucknow Quran and what are the differences, what do you usually yeah, tell them? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I was um, groomed in more of a Lucknow Quran style, but I always say waist down is more Jaipur Quran, waist up is more Lucknow Quran. That's how I, I'm more of a hybrid, but definitely the majority of my style is based in the Lucknow style. Um, so how I say it now, I describe it, um, the physicality of it as, you know, smaller toras and tukras, um, softer, curlier, kalai, um, the angles in which we open our chakras or, you know, so I describe more of the physicality of it rather, rather than assigning um, maybe emotionality to it. So before, you know, things like soft and hard or, um, linear versus curly. Um, that's how I try to describe describe it now. So Lakna Karana being, you know, softer and and curlier, and Jaipur Karana um, can be, you know, a tad bit more athletic and more linear. So yeah, that's kind of how I've distilled it out now. And when it comes to, say, uh, your own style of Kathak, is there a particular gharana you subscribe to or how do you describe it? 
Yeah. So, um, no, I definitely, so my, my training was, I started in Philadelphia with, with Dr. Chakraborty Palamashi, who, as I, I call her, and then in Kolkata, where um, my parents are from, and I would spend my summers there since I was a kid, I started training with Guru Vandana Shen, um, uh, Palamashi's Guruji. So I spent, as well as Shuchandra Banerjee, um, Choti, Pishi and Choti, as we lovingly call them. Um, so, um, yeah, they're definitely more Lucknow based. And so I had a, a traditional kind of Guru Shisha Parampara that, you know, um, very traditional um, training. So, and then I've also been um, privileged to train under Kumi Ben and some of her best dancers as well. Um, and so my style has evolved into um, a very unique kind of style where it's, um, traditional, the, the lines are, are much softer. I prefer, a, um, I will prefer a softer Abhinaya piece, tots and, and, you know, stuff like that over, um, you know, 57 Chakra Bowl any day. Um, I just enjoy that more. So yeah, I would describe it, I guess more luck now, but definitely a, an amalgamation of, of the Karanas. Understood. And when it comes to teaching, because I know that's really important to you, what what aspects are you teaching do you care about the most? Um, so, yeah, I have been teaching for <clears throat> about 15 years. I started teaching um, in Philadelphia at a um, dance academy. It was like a Bollywood dance academy. And the half of my class was Gattak, half of my class was Bollywood. So it was very um, difficult for me. I'd always dread the Bollywood side of it. Um, and I would try to extend the Gattak portion of my class as long as I could. Um, and then through that, as I, as I moved to Pittsburgh, you know, I started um, the Pittsburgh branch and have my kind of own situation here. Um, it's morphed. So, you know, it's, you don't have that traditional setting here. Um, and it's, you know, it, I'm not one to, to hold myself to all that. And Palama, she was like this too, Pranam and Guru, she always calls us, um, you know, her friends. And, and so I, I, I take a very modern approach to my, to my relationship with my students, but the training itself is, um, I try to reproduce um, the traditional form, the traditional way in which I learned it to the best of my ability um, while, you know, kind of instilling humor and using my own analogy. So, yeah, I've taught in many different settings. Um, like right now, I'm, this, this has been the most interesting development in my teaching career is, is having started teaching at Swarthmore, um, which is a... Um, a fixed time, right? You have only a certain amount of classes in the semester and you have um, a show you need to put on by the end and, and you have students in your class that have learned Kathak for a few years and students that are taking it for a PE credit that have never approached it before. So that's been quite challenging to um, figure that out and to to choreograph in a way that is interesting while remaining true to all the skill levels. And so I think my main philosophy is, is number one, I always tell my students, are you having fun? 
um, because Kathak should be joyous. It's joyous for me. If you're not having fun, then why are you doing it? And that sounds very cliche, um, but it's true. And the main thing is I want to teach my students how to learn. So it's not necessarily, I can teach you, you know, tens and hundreds of bowls and ladies and all of that stuff. But more than that, it's, um, I encourage my students to take workshops and take classes from different Gothak exponents so they can find and cherry pick what they like um, to create their own style. And there's a way to absorb the form. And there's a language. And if I can at least get that much in you, so you can, even if you don't continue to learn, but if you could appreciate and absorb and consume Gathak, um from a, a little bit more of an informed position, then that, then my goal, you know, is achieved. I, I have students who've been learning for me for, you know, over 10 years. And then I have students who, like I said, are a semester short. So, um, and just because I've been teaching, you know, a few people for a very long time does not mean that my relationship with them is any stronger than someone who I've just been teaching for a few months. So, yeah, it's, I absolutely love, um, sculpting, you know, bodies, if you will, um, utilizing the lens of Gathak. And I think for me, the challenge is, um, finding a way to communicate to my student um, using a language they understand that kind of um, draws out the, the image that I'm trying to carve out. Um, for, for example, I say, if I use the example of a marionette, you know, I always, in the beginner classes, I always say, imagine there's a string um, tied around your wrist. Um, and one that goes to the top of your head like you're a puppet, right? Everything else should be nice and limp and loose. Um, you want to move, start your movement, your hastak from your wrist, not your fingertips, right? Some people get that right away and it clicks. And for other people, I have to say, okay, instead of using that example, I use the example of, you know, move with the line that comes from your elbow to your pinky. Um, and the more I learn and train from people, the more different ways of, you know, um, teaching that I can absorb and pass on. So yeah, it's, it's quite a challenge for me and I absolutely love it. Um, I'm really proud of a lot of my students. They're blossoming into, um, teachers themselves and, and they're really starting to pursue this on a, um, you know, some are even considering pursuing this on a professional level. So yeah, I absolutely love passing on the form and passing on my stories of, of the way I was trained um and yeah to to kind of see how that takes a life and shape of its own it's it's kind of like whisper down the lane in that sense <laughs> really interesting i love how deep you went into it and since you mentioned like uh, doing workshops uh, like you encourage your students to take workshops with other kathak exponents uh when it comes to like your peers and other people doing kathak who's workshops have you do you personally really like or you recommend for your students and what is what aspects of it do you like about the workshops um so actually this morning i just finished one just a few hours before nice. through um Kadam and kumi ben who um polamashi courtyard dancers to swarthmore we brought her um here for a year um 
she was a Rhodes Scholar, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And so we had the unbelievable privilege of having Kumi Ben stay with us for a year. And we put on this grand show at the end of it. And so I had um, her, Prashant Pai, Prashant Shah, um, Sanjukta Sinha came. And so it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. So I... Um, Gumiben has, has had a huge kind of effect on my lines, my body. And uh, so I also, you know, subsequently can um, speak the language of Gadam, if you will. So I really enjoyed that. This last workshop was uh, um, was led by uh, Rohit and Rupanshi. And there you can see Gumiben's wisdom um, through them. Prashant, who I love doing conditioning um, workshops with in New York whenever, you know, right before the pandemic hit, it was going to be New York Gothic Festival, Aditi Mangaldas's workshop, and, you know, it, the whole weekend got canceled. So, yeah, I mean, I love Prashant Pai's way of teaching. I think he's really um, fantastic in the body mechanics. And, again, so I, I, I guess from my perspective, like, um, derivatives of Gumi Ben are, are my favorite and what I would recommend. Just the way the um, lines are described, the shapes and the way you design space. And um, it's just something that it's just a flavor of Kathak that I really enjoy. Um, I mean, some people love strawberries, some people love peaches. So it just happens to be the flavor that I particularly enjoy. Um, right now I'm challenging myself um, Rohit Bhai is um, Rajinder Gangani's student, and so Jaipur Karana, something that I'm um, not very well versed in. So I'm currently challenging myself to um, really push myself to explore Jaipur Karana because it's, um, you know, not a not something I'm strong in, as strong as Lucknow, and it's been fun. You know, it's been super fun. So yeah. Okay, uh, so then that brings me to an, the next question. Since you've been doing Kathak for a while, and if you're exploring Jaipur Gharana now, what aspects of it has opened up to you that you weren't aware of before? Or what are you exploring now, specifically? Um, I've just started to dabble in it. Um, so, you know, just the the upper body carriage is a little bit different. Um, obviously, as we all know, the spins are different, and... Um, you know, the, the point in which we are access of our, our arms are different. So, um, the main, the main aspect of Jaipur Karana that's, that is different for me is, is the upper body carriage. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely can feel, feel it in my arms, um, from the last five days of the workshop training under Rohit Pai, um, yeah, and and other than that, you know, I just started my exploration of Jaipur Karana. So, uh, and we had a courtyard dancers. We um, hosted Vikram Iyengar from Kolkata, and um, he's Jaipur Karana. And so he had some wonderful um, techniques and and warm up exercises for Riyaz that I've incorporated to. Um, again, it's affecting the the way you kind of carry your upper body. Um, the, the your traps, your deltoids, your triceps are activated a little bit differently than in, in Lucknow Karana. So it's been um, it's been fun. It reminds me of high school 
um, gymnastics and cheerleading the way how strong we had to hold our upper arms up. Um, so it's, it's taking me back to a, a time long ago. So I'm enjoying it though. It's, it's a challenge. That's awesome. And Nenadi, for you personally, like since you've been doing Kata for a while, what do you think has helped you stick through it through all this, all these years? Um, so, yeah, I've definitely taken breaks from Kathak too. I remember when I first went to college here in Pittsburgh at CMU, I um, didn't really, I did my reyas, not often, but I did it like, you know, once a week. And um, when I would go home to Philadelphia, I would try to see, try to visit um, Balamashi as often as I could. But I, as every college kid, you know, does, I got into the college scene. So I started um, kind of doing more of the college dance stuff. So I took a break for a while and then came back to it. But it's always been, um, it's always been there. So the, my relationship with Gatak is, is, um, it's never been better. I can say that. <laughs> um, but it's definitely had its ups, its ups and downs like any other relationship. But my relationship with Balamashi, I think, is um, just a very unique relationship. She, um, I saw her performing at a, when I first, you know, I was backstage at a, at a, Rogoti um, Pujo Festival, just like, you know, one of those, um, the dance portions of the Pujo mm -hmm. and doing some Romindranath um, piece. And I heard on stage um, footwork, Tatkar at the time, I didn't know. And I heard the, the audience roar and I saw, a, I have horrible vision. I have um, glasses, but at the time I didn't have contacts. So uh, mm -hmm. I was blind as a bat, and I remember seeing this white aura. Um, it was Balamashi dancing on stage, but she was wearing all white, coming off stage, and then I was next. So I did my piece. I came off stage, and I said, Ma, um, who was that? What was that? I want to learn how to do that. And so Ma, um, you know, I wouldn't be anywhere you know, without the support of my parents, she tracked Balamashi down and said, um, you have to teach my daughter. And that's when Balamashi didn't have, she was doing her PhD. She didn't have any students at the time. So she started teaching me in the clubhouse of her apartment on a little carpet as people walked behind me going to and from the pool. Um, you know, Ma and Balamashi would just sit on the couch and that's kind of how my training started. And and then she um, now, you know, provides me opportunities of just unbelievable opportunity, life opportunities. And she's just very supportive and very um, open minded. She's fearless and she's taught me to be fearless in that way. She she encourages um, discourse and, and free thinking and um, for you to disagree with her, if, if you will. And that relationship has, has kind of um, withstood the, the test of time, you know, where she's as much as like a um, mother as she is a friend. So I think the fact that I could um, stray away from the form and do my own thing and at any given point come back and it was no big deal, um, I think is 
critical. So again, it comes back to that relationship you have with your um, mentors, your your teachers, as well as your students, as well as your peers. I think those that community, that network um, that you form, and, and as to be quite honest, in the last ten years, um, even more than Paula Mashi have been um, my students here, and my students. I used to teach a lot of kids, and um, I prefer to teach more adults now and they've become friends and um, they challenge me. They ask me questions that kind of um, hold my feet to the fire, if you will, Um, no pun intended. And uh, they make me kind of um, really push myself to um, stay on top of my game and stay on top of my form. So um, yeah, relationships, having a um, incredibly supportive um, partner who um, will encourage me at the drop of a hat to go to New York for a week and just dance mm-hmm. away and having an incredible, um, you know, manager at my job who's also very supportive and that a company that, that enables me to, to pursue this, this passion, if you will, um, mm-hmm. is really important. So yeah, and and for me, Katak, I've preserved it to be. Um, you know, people people ask me a lot, like, why don't I have a my daytime careers in um, the corporate legal world? So very different. I'm a writer, um, and so you know, people have asked me, why don't you pursue this professionally? And I never quite understood what that meant because, in some regards. It's kind of like I have two careers, and um, I think the the reason why you know I've sequestered this form selfishly to to be what it is in my life as it stands now is because it enables me the freedom that um, you know a lot of professional artists um, might not have. It, it you know I can I have the capital to spend and to be discerning and um, you know picking and choosing what I want to do and and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's been uh, um, uh, anti-anxiety for me, you know, I know for this year, for example, anxiety all around has been high. Um, I frankly think coronavirus has been the best thing for Kathak. Um, The world of Kathak exploded. Walls came down as we were all kind of walled into our homes and, um, it held me through. I was, I had a pretty difficult pregnancy this year and, um, I couldn't necessarily move, but the world of Gattak can offer you so much, even if you can't move. Um, I have a couple of students who have, um, some pretty debilitating chronic, um, conditions and injuries and, um, the majority of the time they're they're watching in class and that's okay because they're exploring the math, they're exploring the time cycle. So I took the opportunity this year while I was um, on bed rest and barely able to to walk to explore um, the musicality of Gathak. So I started studying um, under uh, Tabla teachers to really bolster my understanding as a dancer of um, rhythm because I think that's a weakness in a lot of dancers you know Gothic dancers 
Um, we're derivative, we regurgitate, we imitate a lot of our things without really understanding the deep um, core kind of concept, musical concept. So um, I realize how much I don't know, which is kind of um, really humbly um, sparked me to study that. So Gutsack has so much to offer, even if you um, don't want to stand up and move. It, it's a, it's a form that can be, you know, you can be a scholar of the form, um, and, and study it just by reading and, and writing and watching. And so, yeah, it, it stands a test of time. It's really not fair for it to be called a, a dance form, in my opinion. It's so much more than, than dance. I'm not sure what to call it, what the word is really. Um, but yeah. Not sure if I answered your question. <laughs> so, no, that was an amazing answer because you answered my question. You answered questions that I had in my mind. <laughs> and you answered questions that I, I should have thought of myself. So, amazing response. <laughs> yeah. So, Thaya, thank you for going through all of that. I guess just a quick note, follow up on this. So, if someone is, say, does not, uh, so say, for example, to so say if they can't, if someone doesn't have the use of their use of their legs for some reason or the other for them, what would a typical Gatha class look like or what would they focus on? So, um, you know, I, you, you can ask my students, I am annoyingly persistent when they're saying, Oh, I don't feel good. Or, Oh, I sprained my back or whatever. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. especially nowadays, um, because it's just, it's on Zoom. I'm like, well, come and sit, you know, come sit and watch, come write down the bowls, keep time. Um, watching and critiquing, you know, your peers is also a form of, of training. Um, so, or do the hands, you know, if you, if you sprained your ankle, sit and do the upper body. And one of my most difficult pieces that I've done um, in my um career's repertoire was the most recent one in Reyaz, which was a sitting piece. I sat down the whole piece and did a rendition to Ajjani Kizid Nakaro. And, um, you know, we all know that the slower the movements are, the harder it can be. It's counterintuitive. But, yeah, so there's a lot that you can do. Um, There's um, some of my students who are physically a little bit more limited, have some of the best notebooks um, out of my students, if you will. They're some of the best note takers and they kind of data map a lot of the bowls and they they um, research a lot of the history and um, uncover a lot of the um, kind of fallacies that have been plastered on the form. And so, so yeah, there's, there's a ton that one can do. Um, apart from the physicality of the form. Okay. And so that kind of covers everything I want to ask you in teaching, at least for now. And I just want to get into courtyard dancers a bit. And I've heard, I've heard Paula tell me what courtyard dancers is and her perspective. But from your perspective, what is courtyard dancers and what does it do? So courtyard dancers... Um, I still remember we it was founded in 2000 with um, Paula Mashimi and Diditi Mitro, um, uh, my guru sister and a good friend of mine now. So I used to call her Diditi Didi, which is too many D's. Um, and she's 
Awesome. So yeah, I still remember when we were in Balamashi's basement trying to figure out the name of Courtyard Dancers. So um, for me, it's home, you know, it's my home courtyard. It's um, I've seen kind of people come and go. And then as of the last, you know, um, 10 years, we've had a nice strong core group um, that's remained. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's home. I, I don't know what else, how else, what better word to describe it. But the reason why, um, even if it weren't happenstance to just be, you know, my path crossed with Balamashis, um, it's a culture that I would probably um, have found and kind of uh, at least sought out. It's we intentionally remain small um, and to, to kind of stay true to our um, kind of grassroots culture. Um, we have some really good relationships among the group. And um, my favorite thing um, about the group is our, um, you know, our priorities are not necessarily um, the same as a lot of other dance companies. You know, our priorities are not, you know, we, we danced in front of, audiences of 15 people before the pandemic (laughs) and um but it's the fact that those 15 people were who are they you know who is the audience are we you know are they scholars are they you know people who are really interested in the form and so that's something that I've always found to be very um I don't want to say you know defiant or rebellious but Mm-hmm. Um, this fearless kind of culture that we have and to tell the stories of the, the marginalized, we're not afraid to go there. Um, and, you know, Palamash, under Palamashi's direction where we, and subsequently her indoctrination has made all of us kind of in that sense, just not afraid to, to say it how it is. Um, her, her main, her, probably her, the piece if she were to be remembered by anything would be silencing the notch a piece that, you know, I've had the privilege. She um, taught it to me and it's uh, a very, it's a piece that she put on its head. We starts off with traditionally what one would end a piece with, you know, bloody and a lot of the really heavy, fast stuff. And it ends with some of the devotional stuff, which traditionally you would open with. And um, it, in it, she's not afraid to, um, it, it shows that his sons in the notches, it's the perfect piece that shows the history of Gattak, the true history of Gattak. And so um, one of the, one of my scenes in there, it's quite, it was quite difficult for me to master, which was showing the treatment of the, the wives and the courtesans and, um, you know, being sexually assaulted and being abused and, and to um, kind of depict that in a very crass um, way on stage um, I remember the first time I had to do that in front of my my um, dad, <laughs> my my father. Um, I was super nervous, and um, you know, as a as a teenager, to do these these pieces, no less. And she would just push and push and push, and it's it's changed who I am. I mean, just who knows who I you know who I would have been without it. But um, yeah, it's just the culture of our group is um, warm and um, very, you know, just 
different in that sense. And I've experienced different, you know, groups, different fraternities within the form, if you will. And um, yeah, it's just very, just very different. When you do difficult pieces, like silencing the notch, and the Kathak community kind of absorbs it and kind of gives their feedback. I assume uh, Kotia dancers has gotten a lot of angry comments and things like that over the years, like, this is not the history, this is the history, all these kind of topics and discussions. So how do you deal with that kind of energy and feedback? Well, like I said before, so I personally, when I go on stage, um, I'm dancing for myself. Um, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, we all as performers, we're all partially narcissistic and um, we're chasing that dopamine that you get on stage. And so for me, um, that high of being on stage is, I mean, I've bombed on stage before. The most recent production of, of Reaz, I, my um, grandmother um, passed away hours before opening night and I was a mess and the show must go on. And I just, you know, was on stage and was doing checkers. And on the side, I, I saw a glimpse of what looked like my grandmother standing there and it totally threw me off my game. And, you know, Guruji was there, Pandit Divyang Vakil was there. I mean, there were people in the audience and come all over to see us and I totally bombed. And um, to be quite honest, like, you know, it's not that I, I, it, I obviously cared, but for me, the, the experience of being on stage is so very personal that other people's opinions are just that they're their opinions. And, you know, we've had some pretty interesting panel discussions um, that got into some heated debates, such as the response. I still remember this. This was um, at Painted Ride in Philly and it was um, someone sent from one of the grants that we had won to produce the piece. And um, one of his criticisms were, was that, you know, as an audience member, he was a white male as an audience member has no reference point, no cultural understanding of the stories that you're telling. Um, They're not South Asian. You know, I, I find it to be irresponsible of you to not kind of fill me in and got into a, um, you know, an interesting discourse back and forth between whose responsibility is it to kind of, you know, is it our responsibility to, to, you know, give you that information and, and the opinions thereof. And so, yeah, there, there have been some interesting kind of um, another story. I remember at New York Gothic festival, our group performed and I was sitting, um, I didn't perform in the piece, the Philly group performed and, I was sitting in the back and um, the the piece that we did, um, Fine Media Bruges, was about the um, last emperor in India. And so true to Polamashi style of choreography, there was, um, you know, mixed media approach, if you will. And, and she loves the use of poetry. And so during one of the scenes, um, the um, uncomfortable scenes towards the end. There were people in the back row who were just like, I just want to see spins. I heard someone made this comment. And um, so it just, it just goes to, to show that, you know, and I overheard it and whatever um, each their own opinion, but it just goes to show like, we don't, 
we don't give um, the audiences what they necessarily want in the sense of, okay, like nowadays there's this burgeoning um, obsession with athleticism in the, in the dance community. How fast can you do your footwork? How many spins can you do? And how fast are your spins? And while all of that is necessary to show, um, and we do do that, um, there's also, um, it's okay to, to bore the audience, if you will, for a little bit, just because, um, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're supposed to tell the story and that's the story that you're trying to tell. And, you know, whether you want to dig into it and, and look into it as your choice, but the offering is there and how, how much of it you want to, to consume is, is up to you. So, yeah, I guess I'm kind of, um, used to that and um yeah so it's I I mean for me it's nothing really much to to deal with our mm-hmm. our main audience I mean we have a, a core audience that's that's you know especially in Philadelphia um and even now here in Pittsburgh that's kind of followed us and um it's interesting to see who comprises that core group of um you know commissioners of the forum and just people who appreciate it they're not what you would expect there. Um, it ranges all the way from your um, Dida and, and Dada, you know, your grandmas and all the way to um, professors from different schools and colleges to um, just your local arts lovers. And so it's a very, very diverse kind of group that follows courtyard dancers. So I think that's a, um, a testament to, to, you know, our work, it, it reflects the work that we do, um, to, to see who appreciates it the most. So. Hmm. Okay. And can, to follow up on that, Nanadi, have you kind of always been that way or is that something you've grown into over the years? What's that? In the sense, like being that fearless or just performing for yourself and, not, um, and, you know, I honestly whole- don't know only because I have started so right. I was so young um, and I guess a little bit of both I mean my mom is is um, very uh, strong woman and so you know I've always been kind of a free thinker if you will um, but in terms of the form, yeah, I I honestly don't know. It's like the question of which came first, chicken or egg, and um, yeah, I think there has to be a. Conversely, I guess if you will, we've also seen um, throughout the years at CD um, people come and go. It personality types that might not gel the best with our teaching philosophies, with our just our culture. So in that sense. Um, you know, it's, yeah, I, I, I guess it has to be a little bit of both. You have to be, we always mm-hmm. say, you know, we're all a little bit crazy. So I guess you have to be a little bit crazy. And then you join the group and then the communal insanity um, pushes you to a different height, if you will, of, um, you know, just being fearless. But I really do think that it's... um like any, any culture, any group culture, corporate culture, um, any type of culture from, from in a group, it's funny how that can kind of be affected and, and changed over the years. Like how to, 
you know, implement um, institutional change and culture is something that, you know, I've had to deal with both in a corporate setting as well as in my Pittsburgh branch here, as well as, you know, when I go to visit the Philly home base. And so it's a dynamic thing, but I think when you have the constant um, of, you know, Bonamashi and, and some of our senior dancers and um, of being who they are, of this, this core culture, then it kind of breeds and expands as time, time goes on. So. Okay. That's interesting. And I guess my next question here would be that, uh, since you mentioned you have like a small core audience and Kotia dancers is itself small. So I was just wondering, do you like, do you get to hang out with your audience, go to dinners and like events like that? What is your relationship with your audience like in outside um, of performances? Is that yeah. Yeah. We frequently will have, um, you know, at, at shows we'll have, um, after show kind of snacks and drinks to, for people to talk to us. And, and um, yeah, so it's, it's a, it's funny cause you'll, you'll have faces that you will um, recognize that have been coming to your shows for a decade. Um, but they leave right away <laughs> and, you know, you never get a chance to kind of meet them, but you oh. can see their face all the time in every show. And then you have the people who, um, you know, just you, you get to know and form relationships and friendships with over time. And so, yeah, it's been a, um, for me, I've been in Pittsburgh um, for the last, um, like since 2004. So, even though I've participated in, in our shows in Philadelphia and I travel, so I, we've formed a, a new kind of um, group here in Pittsburgh in terms of our um, our fans, if you will. A lot of my uh, students now uh, joined my group because they saw us performing at a show. For example, we the University of Pittsburgh, um, they have uh, this building called the Cathedral of Learning, it's a fantastic, it, it looks like Hogwarts. It's a, it's a giant, it's one of the tallest academic buildings in the world, actually, I think second to one in Moscow, if I'm not mistaken. And they have these nationality rooms in them, um, each, these beautiful rooms dedicated to um, different nations. And they host this, a program um, every year and we're invited to perform there um, to represent India. And through that um, function, annual function, um, I've met so many different directors of the program and learned so much about the different cultures. I now attend, um, there's a Filipino dance group here. That's fantastic. Never would have heard about them. Never would have, you know, um, otherwise been aware. And, and through that, there's been this kind of, cross-pollinization so um yeah it's it's been interesting to see the the different groups and um the supporters if you will there's always specific people that kind of share um information about our performances and pieces and um it's fascinating to see who they are they're comprised of um writers and photographers and art directors as well as um you know people who you would never think um, if you were to judge them on surface level that would be into Kathak. But 
Yeah, it's it's been fun. It's definitely, um, you know, I have some awesome relationships and friendships as a result. Okay. And kind of that, since we talked about you know, teaching, we talked about courtyard dancers, we talked about gender identity, kind of just... And yeah, I want to talk about current projects because I know you're working on a couple right now. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so currently I am, um, well, I mean, everything kind of got put on hold and we've had to, to, I guess the overused word right now is pivot, right? Um, and rediscover our goals. So we were in the midst of touring Reyes and then all of this happened and we had to postpone some of our other dates. Um, and while we were on tour, Balamashi and I were discussing um, our next kind of venture. This is um, 2020 is the 20th anniversary of Courtyard Dancers. And we originally were planning on a, um, our annual concerts usually around the fall and we're planning a big shebang and resurrecting um, pieces um, from our past to kind of reinvent for the show. Um, Mahatma's fasting is one that we've uh, reimagined a few years ago and something that um, she wanted me to choreograph with my own sensibilities and my group here, um, as well as pieces of silencing the notch to kind of take a trip down memory lane. And that kind of got put on hold. So um, I've had a lot of time to explore, like I mentioned, you know, the musicality of the form and um, just personally, um, because I have such an interest in the, the pedagogy of the form specific to this diaspora, um, I've been working on a way to um, standardize the, the um, receiving of information. So a lot of my students, so traditionally the way I was, trained in, in Kolkata and even in here, like you had a notebook and you kind of filled it out and you tried to jot it down as quickly as you could, the bowls that your guru told you and your notebook was your own. And now I have a lot of my, partially because, you know, a lot of my students are, you know, doctors, engineers and professionals of the sort. So um, they come to me with, you know, can you please audit my notebook? And um, most of their notebooks are, way better than mine. I always joke with them, like I'm one concussion away from losing all of my information because a lot of my um, training and everything is is in my head, right? Um, So I am in the process of designing a notebook for my students that has, um, you know, pre, like templates, like pre-formatted kind of um, sections that will help any Kathak student in either in the diaspora or not um, supplement and kind of bolster their education of the form. Just from my experience of what my students have asked me, you know, like, you know, what thal is this in? What rag is this in? And, you know, like analysis of microbes. How do you, how do you write it down? Um, how do you properly write that? I've had students, you know, devise methods on graph paper all the way to using dots and dashes to denote half beats, full beats. Um, I even had a student um, transcribe a bowl in sheet music, um, which is, it was beautiful. So the, these ways of 
you know, how one records their learning is very um, personal. And I think there's um, a benefit to providing a seed in which you can kind of, you know, um, or a piece of dirt in which you can grow your pearl, if you will. Um, so that's that kind of something I'm working on. I've also, um, can, you know, with the, the age of technology that we're in and um, a lot of my students also take notes digitally, um, one of my favorite notebooks is called a rocket book. And it's actually, um, I swear, I'm not um, paid I by that. Yeah, I'm not paid by them, but I absolutely love rocket book. And it's a way to, it's a physical notebook. And at the bottom, there are symbols and you can kind of, um, use an app to you check off a symbol after you write the notes and you take a picture and based off the symbol that you selected it and a predetermined pathway I can file it into like a Google Drive folder or whatever right and we have all these shared folders you know in the in our group so um, it, using technology while still having a physical notebook um, you know, I'm in the process of kind of designing these pages that would be, um, you know, accessible for free as well as, you know, just if you don't want to ever take a picture and and scan it in, you don't have to. Um, But conversely for my friends who and students who type their bowls and do all that, there would be ways for you to use that same template in a digital format, not just writing. So that's, one of the projects that I'm currently personally working on. Um, and yeah, so in terms of, if that another project that I'm working on is um, developing a few of my students solos. So who are interested in, in exploring solo, um, you know, producing a solo concert. So that's been super fun um, to, to, to guide, to, you know, hold someone's hand as they want to, explore how they want to debut or present their their work to the world um so yeah that's kind of what i'm what i'm working on and um i've also been thinking about um here in western pennsylvania um having a a kathak focused kind of gathering if you will called bells of steel um a nod to steel city of pittsburgh um and that kind of got put on on hold. Sorry, can you repeat the name again? You got cut off. Um, Bells of Steel, which is kind of a nod oh, to um, the steel town. Yeah, steel town of Pittsburgh, and um, just to just to have Pittsburgh's a smaller city, much smaller than you know. I'm from Philadelphia, and 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 my father, you know, worked in New York, and so we'd be in New York a lot. So coming from the East Coast, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Ohio, West Virginia kind of region um, can be very small. And um, the Kathak scene here is not as big as it is in a lot of other places. Um, so I think it's a, it's a response to what, you know, the um, environment and situation demands. And so I was in the process of, of applying for grants and, and doing all that work. And then, um, you know, everything hit the fan. So yeah, that's another thing that I think I'm going to um, pick back up shortly and hopefully get something together for 2022. Um, you know, either a concert or a weekend festival curating um, performances 
Kathak artists and discussions and um, workshops and stuff like that. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thanks for telling me all that. And I guess slightly off topic, but when it comes to the rocket book, are you on team microwave or do you like to wipe yours down with a wet cloth? Yeah, I, do. <laughs> uh, I don't do the microwave one. I do the, yeah. That's the right answer. <laughs> yeah, um, although I will say there was one time I learned the hard way. I left my notebook in the car and it was hot and I came back oh. and the ink was so invisible because um, it's heat sensitive ink. And so I put it in the freezer as Rocketbook will tell you to do and it, it came mm -hmm. back. Um, but yeah, no, I, I wipe and I actually have um, one of my students. She also... Um, she kind of keeps me sane and, and manages a lot of the administrative stuff here. I got her one too. So she's a fantastic note taker. Um, so we can kind of collaborate. She's, she's based in Molokai, mm -hmm. which is a small Island in Hawaii. And so we have, you know, we're all kind of spread out all over the world. And so we really rely heavily on our, our Google drive. And so it makes it um, a lot easier to kind of collaborate and to, to, quickly disseminate information among our groups. Understood. And uh, Nadi, I guess that kind of brings me to my last question in the sense of, so since you've been doing Kathak for a while, you've been teaching for, for a while, you're a faculty member, and you're, you're people who are emerging as teachers, as professional Kathak artists. You have a legacy of your own. So when it, and since you're, uh, when it, uh, at the end of it, what, what what do you want your legacy and impact to be on Kathak? Um, legacy? N nothing, really. I mean, as long as um, someone had fun with the form and it, it that's really mm -hmm. it. But in terms of um, my impact on the form, I think I'm probably more interested in that. Just to, you know, see where... American Gatak goes. Um, I've been noticing with the explosive rise of social media, you know, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, um, and how it's affected the form, which is an episode on in, in and of itself, right? Um, I have noticed a kind of um, common style emerging out of that. So I want to make sure that a lot of the, you know, some of the best Kathak in, in, you know, India is being taught and performed and learned in places that might not even have access to the internet, right? So um, just making sure the diverse styles of Kathak are preserved. Um, so kind of to counteract that, um, you know, standardization that's coming out of today in response to consuming Kathak via a screen, um, which changes the form. Absolutely. Um, it, you know, you, with video editing and just the way lighting and just, just the way one will shoot a Kathak video um, is very different than how you would perform it on a large stage or, in a small courtyard setting. So just, just, you know, passing on every piece of information that I have acquired over the years and then seeing 
where that ends up and seeing how um, different minds interpret that and make it their own and um, how it will morph, what's considered modern today will be considered classical tomorrow. I mean, Gumi Ben, you know, when she was first kind of doing these group choreos and um, her costumes were minimalistic, was critiqued heavily and it was considered so controversial um, and now it's, you know, considered classical. So, you know, kind of taking a seat back and enjoying that, um, enjoying seeing where it goes without having an opinion one way or the other. Um, because I, I believe that the form should take the course of the form. Um, there's no right or wrong to it. Um, so my only wish for the form is that as any historian, I guess, would wish for it is that um, we don't, you know, erase or dilute or forget the um, the margins of the form in in favor of the 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 majority style, if you will. Understood. So with that, I bring this episode to conclusion. Uh, Nanadi, it's been really fun interviewing you. My <laughs> Thank favorite you. part. Of- Favorite part of the interview is when you answer a question and my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I know the follow-up question to this, but somehow you read my mind and answer the follow-up question as well. (laughs) So I've had, like, my job has been so much easier because you answer question one through five already and you're so prepared and you're so eloquent yeah thank you for coming this is fun thank you we're kindred spirits and i really commend you on the work that you're doing i think it's so cool that there's a gatak podcast now and um i i just if there's anything i can ever do to support you and in what you're doing i think it's fantastic um and i've thoroughly enjoyed listening to your podcast i think you ask really good questions and um what you're doing is um, very important to, to the forum. You're, you're documenting a lot of things that um, I think will be very important to look back on in the future. So um, I really appreciate you, you asking me to do this. Um, no one important by any means, um, just someone who loves the forum and, and teaches a few people what I know. And so it's been, it's been an honor and privilege to, to chit chat with you.